Oh, the time is running short, Pablito. The time is running short. It is almost time to make the decisions in the voting booth. Cue the music and let's get things going. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Mike is Always Right podcast. I am your host, Mike, and just the overwhelming sense of awesomeness as to what could happen is weighing heavily on my mind. I am very, very excited about it. We are only a few days away right now from the election, from the midterm elections, and really what we're talking about is the start to making this place whole again. It's the start to making our country whole again. It's amazing to me when you really sit down and you look at what is going on in the past two years, what it's taken, what sort of policies, what sort of legislation, and what sort of just basically a lot of our elected leaders sitting on their thumbs and doing nothing what it's done to cripple our economy, what it's done to drive up the cost of everything. It's not only fuel, it's not only groceries, but it's electricity, it's natural gas, it's eggs, it's bacon. It's everything that you buy has risen substantially in the last two years. And and one of the things that I'm listening to a lot of different people on the radio, talk show hosts, and, and you know they're basically parroting what the talking points need to be right now and the messaging is very good are you better off right now than you were two years ago and really when we when we when we put that up history is going to judge us based on what we do in the next couple of days it's going to judge us based on where we're at what we do how far we're willing to go to understand how far down we have gone and what we're willing to do to get it back. So welcome to the episode. I'm so glad to have you guys here. We're going to talk a little bit about not only um, economics, so how do our economy, how do the economics of what we're doing, what does that look like going forward, okay? We're also going to talk about oil and gas. We're going to talk about energy independence and kind of how that intertwines with that. And then we're going to talk about some election stuff and kind of really, really seal the deal because there is a very clear contrast. And and one of the things I loved, uh, you know, I was watching a comedian the other day, and he was talking about uh, how President Trump uh, was the king of merchandising. He's like, "Hey, listen, I'm not voting for anybody anymore if they got merch, right? If they don't got merch, I'm not voting for them." He's like, "There was probably 14 million of those Make America Great MAGA red caps that were sold, and you start doing the math, like, man, those were like 25 bucks a pop. Man, they're making money, right? And and really." What was Biden and the Dems, what was going to be their merchandising options? I'm with Doofus, right? I like ice cream, but nothing more. Uh, Waffle cones and me make everything great. Like, I mean, I don't really understand where they're going. 
what they can run on. I know what they are running on, and it's very, very, very difficult. It's very, very, it, it just does not make sense, and they're riding this thing into the ground, and it's very sad to watch. But what I want to play for you, I want to play for you two different parts of one clip, and really this has to encompass our need for energy independence, which then drives our economy, which then makes us as a nation more protected. I, I was listening today and I hear we have roughly 25 million barrels of oil in reserve for diesel. Uh, and, and so you, you kind of think about that. That's, you know, a, a catastrophe waiting to happen. If we have uh, hurricanes, it is still hurricane season. If we have, you know, if, if God forbid Putin decides he's going to use that tactical nuclear and, you know, he's going to launch that in Ukraine, that automatically triggers, that will trigger a world war. I'm, I'm not warmongering. I'm not, you know, I'm telling you, it, it, this is an if-then statement, and we will have nothing to do but the if-then. If he uses tactical nuclear weapons, we will go to war. And so when we talk about this, I want to play this interview, and I want to kind of overlay what the actual host is talking about, how the questions are phrased, and then we'll kind of look at that. So, Pablito, play clip number one. Energy plan, because you just released it this week, it scales back Virginia's wind and solar energy emphasis instead uh, focuses on nuclear power, economic competition. But I wonder if the events in your first year as governor, uh, the more intense hurricanes, which uh, scientists say they're more intense because of climate change, the war in Ukraine and this week's OPEC decision, uh, making uh, the insecurity of where we get our fuel from uh, highlighted, doesn't that suggest that you should be, that we should be, Leaning into more green energy, not less. All right, so here, here's where here's where the setup is, right? And, and this is where uh, I got the opportunity to um, moderate a panel at our Reagan Day reunion for the St. Croix County Republicans, and it was a great time. But one of the people that actually spoke there was Senator Ron Johnson, and he began to kind of talk about the the comparing, contrasting. Right? This is very, very interesting. Looking at what the left wants versus what the right wants, and he began to talk about. Listen, I can't even do an interview where people ask me questions, they're not asking me questions, they're actively trying to debate me because people in the media are now media activists. They're not journalists. If you think, I'm, I'm gonna say this, there are very few journalists that are actually doing good work nowadays. I can think of only a couple. Most of them are activists that are asking gotcha questions used to elicit a response. But I want you to hear, this is CNN, okay, and they're doing an interview with Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin and basically what they're saying, and notice the words, the words are important, and the words are important for a reason. They want to elicit a response, in essence, to drive fear. Notice what he was talking about. Insecurities. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be insecure about my energy. And they start talking about the hurricanes, because this is right after uh, you know Hurricane Ian had come and, and wiped out a lot of stuff in Florida. And, and okay, so we're, we're talking about this stuff, and you know, don't, don't you think you, we should be doubling down on this stuff? Uh, you know, scientists say that you know, these things are worse because of climate change. And, and I think that the answer, if you could encapsulate America's policy, if we were to write a document that said these will be America's energy policies from this day going forward, I think that Glenn Youngkin had one of the best 
possible ways he could have answered that question. And in the end, okay, I think it checks all of the boxes. And if you are a liberal lefty and you listen to what Glenn Youngkin says and you say, well, I just can't get behind that. We're, we're only going to use, uh, you know, solar and we're only going to use wind. We need to get away from that dirty fossil fuel. Listen, you hipster doofus. Those things are not sustainable. They're not sustainable, and they're not anything that this country needs right now. Right now, we need sustainability. We need the technology to catch up. But I want you to listen to what, what Glenn Youngkin said, because it's really, really epic, his comeback and how he answered this question. Pablito, play number two. Well, to be clear, what, I, what I've called for is an all of the above. And in fact, it's not reducing an emphasis on renewables, wind and solar. It's correcting an error that was made in the previous administration's energy plan, which was to exclude everything else. And so we need to, yes, move forward with wind and solar. We need to move forward with carbon capture and natural gas. We need to move forward with nuclear. And one of the things that I believe is that we have a great opportunity in Virginia to lead the nation in the development of small modular reactors in nuclear in order to provide baseload power that's clean and reliable and affordable. And this is why common sense has to come back into this equation, which is we, we can't evacuate one of our strengths, which is the fact that we innovate in America. Mm -hmm. and we can, in fact, find a way that natural gas can continue to be a huge part of our overall power stack. We can innovate across nuclear, and we can embrace renewables like wind and solar. But we're going to have to adopt all of them in order to get where we want to be, which is reliable, affordable, and a clean power stack. If you need that to be replayed, go on your phone, go on your computer, go back three minutes, read that again. Have that transcribed, write that in your Bibles, put that where you need to put it, because that just displayed the exact right answer. Because here's the deal. For any candidate that tells you, and, and this is and this is just the truth, this is the truth of the matter as easily as I can put it. If we do not have energy independence, we are subject to the whims of madmen. We are subject to the whims. Do you know what the plus is for OPEC plus? So OPEC plus just decided it was going to reduce output. When you reduce output, what do you do? You drive up cost, right? So OPEC plus decided that they were gonna do that. Well, Mike, what is OPEC plus? OPEC plus is the OPEC cartel plus Russia. Let, let that sink in for a second. You know Putin, that guy that's been selling a lot of oil and gas to China, a lot of oil and gas to India. You look at the initial effects of what we did when we talk about uh, the sanctions that we put on. It was bad for probably three months, maybe four months, when old President Putin Brains put it in there. And he was going to, he's going to, ah, we'll take care of that jacket's malarkey. Somebody wake up, Joe. Okay. Look at the value and the strength of the ruble right now. Their economy took a hit, but their economy bounced back. Why? Because they have places like China, they have places like India that they're going to sell their oil and gas to, and then they have the cartel of OPEC that they can basically influence and say, oh, shut the spigot off a little bit. If you shut the spigot off a little bit, what does it do? It drives up costs, drives up prices. You guys will make more money. It'll put all of our adversaries, because let's be honest, the Middle East is not, they're not our friends, okay? If you think they are, 
you're fooling yourself or you're selling something to somebody else. Energy independence has to happen by a long-term strategy that encompasses all of the above. Listen, growing up in Southern California, Palm Springs, Palm Springs, California was wind before wind was cool. I'm talking late 70s, early 80s, their wind farms were going up, working to power that city. It's a beautiful city. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's in a desert. But they've had wind farms forever out there. Solar is a great thing. Put the solar root stuff up on your house. That's a great thing. I'm not sitting here telling you, well, I just want dirty fuel. Uh, you know, the people who say, no, we need this, that, and the other, and they want to exclude solar, they want to exclude wind, they want to exclude those things, those are typically people bought and paid for by the oil and gas industry. The oil and gas industry does see a threat of oil and gas, but that threat is probably 30 to 50 years in the future. If we can innovate, and that was what I loved about what Governor Yunkin said, if we can innovate, if we can do what we do as Americans, which is innovate, we can do the carbon capture. We can limit those things. We can look at stuff that will help us with wind, with solar. We can do those sort of things. We can look at hydroelectric, right? We can look at that stuff. We can look at nuclear. Let me tell you who's leading nuclear kids, the French. The French are going to have, I read a report the other day, anywhere from 8 to 10 of the smaller nuclear power plants come online within the next 15 or 20 years. They're working their way off of the oil and gas, and, and they're working their way off of all of that. And, you know, it's, it's a funny thing. I actually had a friend who uh, was in the, in the Navy, and he was on a, a nuclear submarine. And this submarine, they, they were doing uh, drills out in the Pacific. And this particular country, New Zealand, said, we don't want you to bring your nuclear reactor here. That nuclear stuff is dangerous, and it could get people killed, and we don't want that. Well, there was a massive typhoon that came through. And they said suddenly, um, could you bring your sub and, and park it and plug it in and power us for... <laughs> Uh, see, it's all about the necessity and need, right? And when you look at things, especially when you're talking about nuclear, all right, when you talk about things like Chernobyl, you talk about things like Fukushima, you talk about things like Three Mile Island, do the research on those things. These were plants that were run by people. Those people were greedy. That stuff needs to be regulated. But by and large, when we talk about nuclear energy, we have got hundreds, if not thousands, of little nuclear devices going all around this planet right now. Look at all the different carriers. Look at the battleships. Look at the submarines. Look at that stuff that's been able to be done, done properly, and done right. So when we talk about the pure economy, when you talk about the economics of what's going on, here is what's driving us. The Green New Deal, the issues that we have with cow farts, the issue that we have with thinking that we can do this this way, and we're all basically just virtue signaling with our EVs, where do you think that energy comes from with your electric vehicle? Where do you think it comes from when you plug it in? That's a coal-fired power plant. That's a natural gas-fired power plant that is creating that electricity that is going into your vehicle. Don't virtue signal me and tell me that you're better than me because you own a Tesla. That you're looking out for Mother Earth because you drive a Tesla or an EV. Listen, I'll be, I'll be straight with you. I will be completely honest with you. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I wouldn't mind owning an EV. I really wouldn't. I have actually looked into putting solar panels on my house because I think it's a good investment. I'm doing it for no other reason than I think it's a good investment. I don't think, and I'm not under any sort of, of, of delusion that I'm saving the planet because of it. But we got real problems here, kids. 
We got real problems and that's where we talk about voting. That's where we talk about economic policies. What is and what are the Democrats running on right now? Trillions of dollars worth of debt, record high inflation. We have fuel prices and, and here's the deal. This is the funniest thing. This is the funniest thing that they have been trying to put out there that just makes me laugh. Well, you look at it and you know, fuel's gone down 20 cents. It's only $3.50. No, fuel's gone up a buck 50 since 45 left office. What can you attribute that to? A horrible, disastrous, fossil fuel, it's dirty, we can't use it, and wanting to transition. Just look at where that's got us. But here's the thing. They have actively said, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, AOC, all of these climate leftist loonies have been saying, listen, it needs to be hurtful. It needs to be, it needs to be difficult when we make this transition. Because if it's not difficult, it won't inspire you to do anything. So how do you get people who were paying less than $2 for fuel, how do you get them comfortable with paying $350, $375? You jack the price up to $550. Artificially bring it down by releasing the strategic oil, and then they suddenly say, oh, well, at least it isn't $550 anymore. Wake up, people. And the fact that President Putin brains is going over the Saudis and saying, hey, listen, could you just kind of not cut production, please? And they're saying, we can't hear you. You're too far behind us and down by our ass. Can you please speak up? As he's basically kissing ass so he can get more oil and gas release so that his prices will be stable so he won't tank the midterm elections. It's all about politics. It's all about staying in power. And when we talk about politics, we talk about economy, we talk about power, and we talk about energy independence. Those things are so intertwined, it's not even funny. People in Wisconsin, what has Governor Evers done for you? What has he done to relieve that pain at the pump? What has he done with the bureaucratic nonsense to relieve that pain? Heating oil, natural gas, going through the roof. You know that stuff is taxed pretty heavily, right? You know that if the governor truly wanted to work for the people and wanted to work on some things for the people, he would work with the legislature and they would suspend those taxes. They would suspend that stuff for a period of time and we would reevaluate and see what, what's going on. Because here's the deal. You look at every dollar that you spend, several pennies of that, several cents of that, 10, 15, 20 cents in some cases, hello California, that's going to the government. That's going for roads, that's going for bridges that never get built for roads that never get taken care of, that are potholed, that are you know basically falling apart. So where does that money go? Yeah, that's pretty sad. So when we talk about all this, Glenn Youngkin had a great, he had, a, he had an absolute case. It's like all of the above. And I challenge you, anytime you're talking to a representative, somebody who is running for office, somebody, whether it's governor, whether it's state assembly, whether it's, you know, Congress, whether it's Senate, that needs to be on your lips. That, that question needs to be there. What are we doing right now to gain energy independence? What are we doing right now that is going to help us? Because here is the problem. What took two years to destroy could take a lot longer 
to put back together. So when we talk about the pure economic issues that we're facing right now, 40-year high, when we're talking about inflation, inflation is probably the worst type of tax. Remember what Joe told us? Remember what he said? I will not raise taxes on anybody. Uh, Joe, inflation is a cruel tax that is inflicted on everyone. What are we going to do about it? It starts with voting. But I will tell you this. If you listen, go down to your local farmer. Just go down. Go down to the local rancher. Go down, and when you go to these cool, you know, you know, little hipster food markets, and, and you know, when you go, talk to them for a minute and ask them about what we're actually consuming right now, right? So ask them, you know, all of this, this harvest, all this stuff that we have, the wheat, the grain, the corn, everything that we have, what are we eating right now? And I guarantee they're going to look at the ground. I guarantee they're going to him and they're going to haw. And they're going to say that right now we are living on last year's crop. And then you look at me and say, well, um, what does next year look like? And if they were honest with you, they'd say next year looks dark. So what's the do? What's the ask? You know, I'm reminded of a, of a TV show that, that used to be on. I think it was like four, maybe five season. And, and if you ever watched it, it was, it was really good in a way because uh, there was some comedic value to it. Um, there, were, there were some people that were just slack-jawed, yokel loonies. I mean, I'll just be straight with you. Doomsday Preppers was a hilariously funny, instructional, insightful, educational show. And if you look, there were some people that were, that were talking about stuff that has a very, very, very slim margin of error. A very, very slim margin of actually happening, right? But you had several mixed in there as, you know what we're preparing for? We're preparing for a global pandemic. Ding, 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 Setting off alarm bells everywhere. Let's just move that to the educational documentary, not reality show series time. You looked at several people and they're talking about, we're talking about stocking up for a global food collapse. Here's my fear, and, and this is where I want to be completely honest, I want to be transparent, but I don't want to be an alarmist, right? I don't want to say the sky is falling, the sky is falling, you know, because, because here's the deal. If this red wave happens, if we get some final, and what Governor Youngkin said, what did he say? Common sense. If we can get common sense reestablished, okay, and we get common sense reestablished, and we, and we take back the House, we take back the Senate, we can basically blunt President Putin brains for two years. Hopefully, we run a good candidate in 2024. Who that is, I'm not sure, okay? There, there are some that say, you know, uh, don't call it a comeback. Here comes Trump, right? I, I get it. I, I would not be opposed to that. Uh, a lot of people are pointing to the successes of Governor DeSantis. I think that would be great, probably a better play. Um, but I, I don't know what's going to happen there. But what I'm telling you is this. We are in for a very cold winter, and we are in for what every economist says is going to be a very, very difficult 2023. So we're talking possibility of food shortages. We're talking about possibility of entire industries being laid off because they're not being supported. They have pumped so much money into this economy and printed so much of it, it is going to come crashing down. Interest rates are spiking. So you're raising it 0.75, 1.0. You're raising it every time the Fed meets. The Fed meets several times a month. When Carter was in office and Reagan basically took over, they had to raise the interest rates to over 
to combat the hyperinflation that was going on. So what does it look like when suddenly that housing market that was just really kicking butt just completely tanks and you can't move to go where you need to because you can't sell your house because not only can nobody buy your house because the interest rate's too high, but you can't afford to buy something else. You're locked in. You can't buy a vehicle because you're looking at the interest rate, basically equivalent of a credit card. What happens when interest rates hit 10, 12, 14, 16% on the prime rate? What happens? Capital dries up. What happens? Businesses don't have that maneuverability, that lateral ability to scale. And what happens? Things start to collapse. So I said all that to say this. Again, I'm not telling you, right, that the sky is falling. I hope to God that we look back on this and you say, well, Mike isn't always right, is he? (laughs) I really hope that we can point back to this episode and say, Pablo, all of the research we did was bupkis. Pablo shaking his head no because he knows. (laughs) So here are some things that I'm going to challenge you to do. Here are some things that I'm going to challenge you right now, this audience, to do. Number one, it's to vote. Number one, it's to vote. I am talking, go to your local enterprise rent-a-car, your local Avis, your local uh, Nationwide, and I want you to rent a minivan, okay? I want you to go get your family members. Get your Uncle Pookie, right? Get your family members and get them to the poll. Early voting has started in many different states where we have listeners, Texas specifically, right? I know that they launched, and, and so you can go in, you can vote, right? Voting is going to be the important thing because here's the deal. And if you listen, I, I love delusional Pelosi. I saw an interview with her today. She's like, we're going we're gonna to win. Right, we're definitely going to win in November. And they're like, well, it doesn't seem like it. we're going to win. I'm, I'm not even going to look to the point that we could lose. We've got a winning message. What is your winning message there, Nance? I'm just wondering. They're going to stop you from killing your babies? They don't like black people? Where are we going? Crime is good. Let's just embrace the hooligans. Where are we going? And so what I'm, what I'm going to say is first thing. First things, first things, first things, first things, first. You got to vote. You got to vote or else you don't get a chance to bitch. You don't get a voice. You, don't, you will sit down in the corner with a dunce cap for the next two years if you don't go out and vote. And I'll tell you this. When you vote, vote straight line R. But I don't like this guy because he, listen. You know what the D's are going to give you. You know what the D's are going to give you. Pain. You know that's going to be there. So, you vote R. You vote R and then you hold them responsible. But I don't know. No, listen. You know what you get with them. Straight down the ticket, you vote R. That gives us a better chance. We're not talking about somebody. Listen, I don't even agree with myself 100% of the time. Okay? Let's just be real. You're never going to basically agree with a candidate 100%. But there's better chance in R because we've seen what the D has done for the last couple of years. So one, you got to vote, vote right, okay? Vote right. Number two, you need to look at your stockpile of food. You need to look at your stockpile of water. And you need to look at your stockpile of ammunition and guns. Now, I don't want to scare anybody and I don't want to be an alarmist, but here's the problem. Hunger and lack of support will drive people to do very bad things. So let's play out an apocalyptic image, right? 
You're the family that did stock up. You're the family that said we can go six months, seven months, if everything, if all the store shelves go completely empty, we can do that. I guarantee you when people are hungry, they're going to want to take what you have. And what's worse is when the government steps in to help with their bread lines, they're going to mandate that you do something to get that bread. They can't mandate anything if you don't need anything from them. So prepare now. Yes, I know that prices are high. Yes, I know things are expensive. But here's how you do it. It's very, very simple. It's just a little bit every two weeks or when you get paid. You say, listen, I'm going to take 15 bucks and I'm going to buy some canned food. I'm going to take 10 bucks and I'm going to buy a big drum of rice. I'm going to buy a big drum of beans. I'm going to buy these things. I'm going to buy some candles in case the power goes out. I'm going to buy a case of water here, a case of water there. I'm going to do those things because here's going to be the problem. When you go to the grocery store and there's nothing on the shelves, and you go to another grocery store and there's nothing on the shelves, let me, let me, tell, you, let me tell you a difficult thing. And this, is, this is a true story. Uh, when my daughter was born, my daughter spent you know, many, many, many months, and, and most of you, most if not all of you, have prayed for my daughter. She's doing amazing, right? She's growing. She was a micro preemie. She was born very, very early. And um, when she finally did come home, we're on this particular um, baby formula. And I, I consume news at a phenomenal rate, right? I'm always listening. I'm always looking. I'm always reading. I saw that we were going to have an issue with baby formula, specifically the Similac formula that my daughter literally depends on. Okay, she's not eating solid foods. She still has what's called a gastrotube, a G-tube, which is a port that goes in her belly that we can give her food because she's uh, kind of oral averse right now. She's not drinking. Uh, she's not eating food. She's drinking from a bottle, but she's not eating solid foods. And before it really got bad, I can tell you this. I was reaching out to friends. I was reaching out to family in other states. And I was like, hey, if you see this, can you send it to me? I'll pay you for it. Hey, if you see this on Amazon, because they were beginning to limit things, can you look for this? Can you please take care of this? And I can remember an, an entire Saturday, an entire Saturday, where my older daughter and I basically drove to every single grocery store in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and we would get a can of formula here. We'd get two cans there. We'd get three cans here, one can there. And I knew probably, not because I'm anything special, but because I'm watching, right? And you're watching, you're looking for the signs. This is going to be an issue. I've got to protect my family. And she never went without. We never even got close to going without because we planned and we prepared. This, this doomsday prepper thing, some of those guys were wackadoodles and some of them were, were very, very weird. But that preparedness is something that we all need to basically start to come to terms with. Could you survive two weeks? Could you survive for a month? Could you survive for six months if suddenly... The food trucks didn't move, so the grocery stores aren't stocked, and you can't get milk and bread. Best estimates from experts say that if trucks stop, the country stops within three days. That's how close we are to how much we consume versus how much we can get. So you need to make sure you're looking out for food. You need to make sure you're looking out for water. You need to make sure you're looking out for guns and ammo. The best salesman of guns and ammo have been Democrats by far. <laughs> they, I don't think they intended that. 
but you got to be able to protect yourself. You got to be able to protect your family. Uh, another thing you want to invest in is gold, gold, silver, precious metals. I don't think cryptocurrency is going to be what we need it to be. Uh, it did have some high highs, but it's had some really low lows, right? Tangible assets, tangible gold, tangible silver, things that you could barter. You know, one of the things that if you look back in our history, it's very easy if you understand history. What did people barter with back in the days? They bartered with gold. They bartered with silver. They bartered with bread. They bartered with whiskey. I should be good. You have to get in this mentality that says, what if? We have grown so accustomed in America to just getting in the car, driving down to your local X, whatever you want to call it, your Walmart, your Target, your Kroger's, your HEB, wherever you're at, right? And just you walk down the aisle. And, well, I don't really feel like the ancient grains. I think, I think I'd rather have some honey wheat bread. Uh, I don't really want the smooth, the smooth peanut butter. I'd like the crunchy peanut butter. What happens when there is no peanut butter? What happens when it's not the difference between 2%, 1% or skim, it's, it's nada, nada, enchilada. I'm telling you, all of these things are intertwined. When you talk about things like energy independence, when you talk about things like our economy, and when you talk about the political people that are running the establishment right now, spending money that we don't have, investing in things we don't need, and champion causes that don't need championing, is that word champ, championing? <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. Now, it can be uncomfortable for a while because, again, we need to reverse course. And, and, if, and if you need no, no bigger you know, illustration of that, look at California and look at Florida. Hurricane hits, Sanibel Island completely wiped out. You can't get to it, right? Because obviously it's an island. That Causeway Bridge was completely destroyed. They had that up within two weeks. Two weeks, they had it up. And they were able to move and do things that they needed to do. That was led by Governor Ron DeSantis, taking care of business, doing the work of the people. California, on the other hand, Gavin Newsom, a one-hole toilet restroom in San Francisco for $1.7 million. Could take us about three years to get that done. The contrast could not be more different. So I'm going to wrap it by saying this. Know that I don't want to be right about this particular thing, but if I am right, things are going to get very, very uncomfortable. If I am right, we have some dark, dark days coming. Now, if I'm right, the red wave comes and we begin to work on that and we begin to blunt what President Putin brains and come on, la, 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 are doing and we work on a progressive, conservative agenda, the contract, not, what does he call it, the contract with America, the commitment to America, and they start to exercise and flex our muscle. They start drilling again. They start doing pipelines. They start doing the things that we need to do to gain our energy independence. We basically can tell o OPEC, long walk off a short pier, we don't want you OPEC plus, plus, plus. And we begin to take care of ourselves in such a way that we're stronger and that we're more apt to take care of all of these international problems that we're running into. We're sending way too much money to Zelensky and the Ukraine. I'm sorry. That just isn't our problem. 
Now, if Putin wants to make it our problem, that's where we talk about tactical nuclear weapons. But we're going broke printing money to give to them, to their war effort. I'm sorry, we're drowning. And the life raft needs to be for us, guys. Vote, 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 vote. Our children, their children, your families, this country has got to be taken back. We have to do this right. We cannot afford another two years of this blue nonsense. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I really just uh, want to say thank you to the folks that are listening, the folks that are supporting, and the folks that are... Um, you know, always commenting on social media and, and always, you know, doing the things that they do. I think we're in just such an, such an incredible time right now. And, uh, you know, I'm so thankful that you allow my voice to come into your ears and in your brain to make you think. You know, that's the only thing that I want to do. I want to challenge my audience to think. I want to challenge them to look at things themselves. And I want them to ask, what if? I want them to ask, what if this happens? What if that happens? Are we going to be okay? And really, we need to take more of a role in our communities to take care of business. So I really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Please hit that like button. Please give us good reviews. Please share us with your friends. Share us with your enemies and let people know that, uh, you know, this is a, a good challenging way to spend, you know, 30, 45 minutes uh, empowering and educating your brain. So until next time, thank you so very much. God bless. God bless.